0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC-TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey folks, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 251, recorded Monday, February 22nd, 2016. 2016. Yes, sir. And this podcast is dedicated to your wife Jenny whose for, birthday it is. I was going to say for not letting her birthday get in the way of us recording a podcast today. That's that's because she went to sleep. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you get to do whatever you want to do on your birthday and if that means going to sleep and getting a you know, uh, a, n- a nice early night, then that's just fine. Yes. All right. Well, so my
1: wife read today that the uh, the happiest 10 years of a woman's life is the years between 29 and 30. It's <laughs> <laughs> <that's> pretty funny <laughs> it's funny
0: i assume uh that's she's right in that uh, zone right now right in that zone right there
1: yep perfect <laughs> and she also read that there's a study that says uh, birthdays are good for you uh the study goes on to say that, uh, that there's a direct link between the number of birthdays you have and how old you get to live that's an interesting study i would say yeah, yeah. A direct causal link
0: a direct causal link yeah, yeah birthdays are good for you the more you have the longer you live that's exactly right, got it, well, happy birthday, Jenny um, and uh happy birthday to you coming up on Friday too. Friday for me, and Wednesday for your wife. I know it's a busy birthday week, I'll tell you, you're the odd man, out, odd man out. your birthday's in January. I got mine done like a month ago, yeah, so I'm older than all of you guys, except for you, <laughs> all y'all <laughs> That's right <laughs> all right, uh that's great, um before we get into our recap of season six, episode ten. As I've been doing the last couple of uh, episodes, I just want to remind everybody that we're working with Gold Label with, an, uh, with a, for a giveaway. We are giving away a Walking Dead hoodie and sticker pack, and if you want to enter, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com and click on Hoodie Giveaway in the navigation. You have until February 29th at uh, like 11.59 p.m. to enter that contest. Cool. And also... Because Gold Label is so cool, they have provided us with a promo code for use in their store. You can visit goldlabel.com, use the coupon code Deal, all one word, for 15% off on anything you buy. So that's good through the 29th really of February good. as well. Yeah. So uh, we thank the folks over at Gold Label for everything they've done, and good luck to everyone who enters the uh, the giveaway. And good luck to anyone who uses the promo code deal, too. <laughs> yeah, have three nice days when you use that code. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's jump right into our recap. I don't think we need to go on about anything else here. One thing I wanted to remind everyone of, though, and I forgot to do this last week, is uh-huh. uh, I really like to have listeners read the name names oh, of the yeah. episodes. Right? That's a thing we do. And I didn't remind anyone, I didn't remind everybody last week because I forgot too. Um, but uh, do that. So this episode is called The Next World. Um, next week is, oh, it's been announced. It's something like Untie Knots or something like that. I forget now, but check the title on next week's episode if you want. Use your phone or your computer or whatever, record it, even call our, um, use the send voicemail link on our website and record the title of the episode. And uh, hopefully we'll play it on the air because it's always fun to hear people's takes on the titles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listener Matt in Delaware sent one in for this week, but it's from a song and he sent the whole song. And I apologize, Matt. I just didn't have time to cut out the uh, section of the song that you suggested. So maybe we'll use that song during our break after the recap instead. That's cool. All right. So Jason, are you ready to recap season six, episode 10, The Next World? I am stupid ready. (laughs) Very good. So let's start. We fade up, and it is a close-up of somebody cutting a new hole in a belt with their knife. Uh, This is something I've done a number of times in my life.
1: Yeah, which way, though? (laughs) That's the question. (laughs) That is the The question. The belt just
0: needed a new hole. We'll leave it there. (laughs) No, you know what's (laughs) funny about that? I've gone both ways. I have, there have been times where I've cut a new hole in a belt because I need to make it tighter. Right. And the funny thing is I always think to myself, Hey, this is great. I'm, i lost some weight. My belt doesn't fit right. But I'm, I'm, what I think is actually happening is that the belt is stretched and well, a good leather belt won't <laughs> stretch. Well, maybe I don't have a good leather belt.
1: Are you using, uh, that, uh, that white plastic belt with the, uh, the sequence on it? Uh, no, I save that for, uh, weekends
0: and holidays, but right. no, I have a leather belt and I actually think it's a pretty good belt. So are you
1: saying that it won't stretch and I actually did lose weight? I really have no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, I Usually think- when I buy things that are leather, like leather boots or leather shoes or a leather belt or leather pants, and I think they'll stretch and then everything will uh, be a lot more comfortable. Uh, you know, usually it doesn't for me. Okay. Well... I ha- I'm
0: pretty sure I have the um a powerful gut that causes belts to shirt stretch.
1: Right. anyhow, <laughs> I can be- barely get that leather mask on my face anymore or on my head. It just doesn't fit, eh? I just you know, I can't do up the zipper over the mouth. I just can't do it up anymore. Yeah, well,
0: keep trying. Or have no. have Jenny keep trying? It's her birthday after all. Yeah, I just gotta. I need to
1: lose weight on my head.
0: <laughs> That's right. Work out your head a bit. <laughs> uh, well, we've got one line into this recap and it's gone off the rails already, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we see somebody cutting a hole in the belt more than a feeling by Boston is playing in the background, which is cool. That is cool. Um, the camera pans around and we see a picture of Carl holding Judith, and he's wearing his eye bandage. Yeah. So it seems like. Something strange is going on here. We're in the future a little bit, I guess, um, at least from where future we... The future where photographs are possible. From where we left off last
1: week, I mean. We've No, but I, I mean that too. I mean, yes, we've gone... Uh, th- some time has passed, right? Yes. So we've glossed over uh, the entire uh, basic recovery of Carl. But now they're able to take pictures. Yes, uh, but they always
0: were able to do that, remember? Aaron was walking around with pictures of Alexandria.
1: Oh, that's true. Then again, he could have, those pictures could have been taken, you know, anytime yeah. really. I'm so living in a digital world that I'm thinking, well, you got to take the picture, you got to get the memory card out, you got to put it in the computer, you got to print it out, <laughs> and then you got to find a frame and then put it in there. You know, I got to think, uh, I got to go back to old school. There's probably some 35 millimeter film kicking around yep. or whatever film there is. And you can make yourself a pinhole camera if you absolutely have to. Sure. Get some photographic paper and just uh, go right onto the paper. Screw this negative crap. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it looked like a pretty good
0: black and white picture, though. So, yeah, I don't know. We see we see the picture of Carl. Um, whoever was cutting the hole in the belt picks up a watch and a wedding ring. Pretty obvious it's Rick. Um, he uh, He's getting ready in the morning or something like that. Judith is there on the floor playing. And then Michonne walks in. She's wearing a bathrobe mm-hmm. and she asks for toothpaste. So yeah. this was a little to me. This whole opening was a little bit jarring. I'm like, Whoa! Whoa! What's going on? Like what the hell? What the hell? Carl was just shot in the in the eye, and here we are all of a sudden. Michonne's hanging out in a bathrobe, and and Rick seems happy, and everything looks hunky dory. Judith looks like she's in a good mood. So, I was a little, I was just a little bit, I don't know. Confused. Disoriented, Dis- yeah. Disoriented, exactly.
1: I was a little disoriented, but I, I was excited because I didn't know how far in the future we had gone. Right. Right? So I was thinking, has it been a year? Could it be that long? Could it be that awesome that they spent a year glossing over a whole bunch of crap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they glossed over a whole year. They yada yada the year. <laughs> yeah, they, but they didn't. But uh, I was excited because I didn't know how much they had... Uh, they had glossed over.
0: You know, the zombies attacked, Jesse died, Carl got shot in the eye, yada, yada, yada. Rick's waking up, putting <laughs> on his uh, putting on his new belt and wedding that's ring. That's right.
1: That's a Seinfeld reference, right? I think so, yes. Yeah, we you yada, yada, sex. Right. You know, we went out to dinner, <laughs> we had a really good time, we went back to my place for a nightcap, yada, yada, yada. I got up early for work. There you go. <laughs> yada, yada.
0: Um, all the while that we see this, there's kind of a thumping noise going on. Turns out that's Carl bouncing a tennis ball. So he walks in, and he's wearing his eye bandage. So we still don't really know how far ahead in the future this is. Yeah. And uh, they chat about toothpaste for a second, and then, you know, as Rick's leaving, Michonne tells him to be good out there, and
1: he gives her a low five on the way by. Yeah. So uh, what Carl is doing with that tennis ball is he's uh, practicing his depth perception because now he only has one eye oh. and we use our two eyes for, you know, all that good depth perception. Yep. You have to relearn it. And, uh, a lot of people with that, uh, that kind of issue will use a tennis ball, and bounce it off a wall to practice being
0: able to tell how far away it is. So they say something about in the scene about it being PT. Yeah. Physical training, physical training. I couldn't figure out what that was. Yeah. It's a military term. Okay. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot more sense. Um, um, so, and that's interesting. I didn't know that you could you could relearn depth perception with one eye.
1: I thought you had to have two to have depth perception. Well, you can to have true depth perception, yes. But it's not just an innate ability that all of a sudden goes away. It's a skill you can learn as well. Interesting. I mean, but don't you need the two eyes separated by a couple inches to that? Sh- that sure helps. Right. But I mean, being able to judge it is also uh, you know it, it's a skill. You okay. Can, you can practice it. You can figure it out. I mean, it's not going to be as good as uh, somebody with two eyes that has that innate ability, but it's still going to be pretty
0: good. Interesting. Got it. Okay. Physical training. That's good to know. I'm probably, I'm going to bet that I'm not the only person out there that couldn't figure out what PT was. Well, that's what it is. Okay, good. Good thing you're here. Yeah, um, but they seem to be like a happy little family. You they know? seem
1: pretty chummy and comfortable together. They really do. I very rarely uh, hang out with friends, uh, and they come over to my house wearing a robe, asking for toothpaste.
0: <laughs> Once in a while, but very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. Yeah. All right. Well, we cut outside, and uh, Denise, Doctor Denise, and Daryl. they are they are on the street at, talking about a list of stuff that she has. So, um. What it comes down to after sort of a long, awkward-ish conversation between the two of these is that Denise wants Daryl to go out and find some pop, uh, also known as soda on, on a run that he's going on. And she says that Tara was talking about it in her sleep and that she wants to surprise it with her because she thinks that might be a nice thing to do. That would be nice. And Daryl doesn't know what pop is, which is funny, but, uh, you know, we call it pop here in Canada. Yes, we do. A lot of the places in the states call it soda, but there are places in the U.S. that call it pop as well.
1: Flavored sugar, sugary bubble, bubbly water. That's the long version. Yeah, <laughs> but that's basically what it is. It's a good description. I think some people just call it Coke. I
0: think there like are, no matter what it is, they just call it Coke. I think that's true too, and that might be down south yeah, somewhere. I'd but then just, Atlanta's pretty far south, so get, I don't know.
1: Get some Coke cans. What kind? I don't know. Uh, root beer. <laughs> See, that doesn't make any sense at all to me. No, no. But I I think some people just call it Coke. Interesting. Okay, well, pop,
0: soda, Coke. It was kind of a funny exchange. The other thing I think was interesting from this exchange is that Denise mentioned that Tara and Heath are about to go out on a two-week run. So they're really sending people out on long-distance scavenger missions, it sounds, it sounds like. Well, I would think so, because all the stuff that's close—
1: has been scavenged already, right? Well, you have to go farther and farther for stuff, that's right. Yeah, so that's, that's what they're doing is they have to go out farther afield to get, uh, to get crap. But what's the
0: point of diminishing returns when, like, you have to take supplies with you, right, to survive out there? So at what point are you taking too much stuff with you just to find new things out there? Like, two weeks to me seems like a long
1: time to be, to be out on the road. It uh, it would be, but you don't necessarily have to take all the supplies uh, with you to yeah. last those two weeks. Because you just you know you take a couple of days worth of food, and you get the hell out of there, and you're expected to find food along the way. Mm, yeah, you're, you're you end up finding stuff you need to on, while you're
0: out there. It seems a little risky, though. I mean, you never you never know what you're going to find, especially if you have to go farther and farther. Right? That's true. But still, I mean, it's—I just thought it was interesting that it was one of those little details that they drop into conversation sometimes on this show that kind of just gives you context for what's going on and and things like that. I thought this was a particularly interesting one. Yeah. Um, so we cut over the camera pans across the in-memoriam wall that they've got um, on the inside of one of the walls there in Alexandria. And as the camera goes across it, we can now see that the names Deanna, Jesse, Sam, and Ron are up there. Mm -hmm. And then after those names, we have Maya, Ted, Pascal, and Lucy. Mm -hmm. So are we being led to believe here that those other four people were the four mystery Alexandrians that died probably in the zombie massacre last week? I would think so, yeah. You know, I mean, we didn't really see any of that happen and People did kind of complain that, well, you know, what's, what's the likelihood of of, uh, of nobody else even getting a scratch mark on them in, on, in all of that? Turns out Maya, Ted, Pascal, and Lucy didn't fare so well. No, they did not. <laughs> That's all I can assume anyways. Um, but uh, as the camera moves past the wall, Rick and Daryl are leaving in a car. Eugene opens the gate for them, and he tells them to pick up some sorghum grain seeds if they can find them when they're out. That's the best it's the
1: best grain, well, according to the armored pierogi, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, what's um, weird though is he opens the gate and then he goes around to the passenger side to talk to Daryl. So he opens the gate and he's on the he's on the driver's, driver's side. side, and he walks all the way around to the passenger side and then leans down into the window to talk to Daryl. Why would he do that? Well, I don't know. I mean, he just has to go and close the gate again once they leave. Yeah, it's just a, it's the kind of thing where you just you normally would just talk to the driver right you lean into the if you're going to talk to both of them what does it matter which side of the car you're on why mm. not just choose the side of the car that you're actually on at that time yeah you you have a point there
0: i didn't really think of that but uh he does go around to the passenger side the thing i liked about that scene though was just there was and and like all, a lot of scenes with eugene is there was just a little bit of comedy built into it because he's going on in, in the way he does about this grain and how important it is and how much of a a difference it can have in Uh, you know, their food supply and what they're growing and stuff. And the whole time, Daryl is just kind of sitting there giving them weird looks. And then when he pauses, there's sort of an awkward silence and stuff like that. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well done. It was, (laughs) you know, it's always good to have Eugene around because he is comic relief. Pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty much what he does. I mean, look at his hair. (laughs) Seriously. We've been, we've already talked about the hair too, even on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so he does that. And then once he's done, he, you know, they move on, they drive out and there's a couple of zombies stuck on stakes that are sticking out of cars just outside the gate.
1: That's a, that's a Morgan situation. That's a clear. He's, uh, like when he, in the episode clear, when he was in the town and he put out a bunch of stakes just to hang up zombies so they could go and dispatch them later. That's what's going on here. This is all Morgan influence.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't think of that, but you're
1: probably right. It's Morgan just doing stuff because he wants to do stuff, right? Yeah, he's got spikes sticking out of cars. That way when zombies show up, they impale themselves on spikes and they're not really a danger anymore.
0: No, not really a danger. You don't even have to worry about them. I mean, Rick and Daryl just drove by, didn't even give them a second look, and uh, that was it. Yep. So they're driving away and Rick is talking about today being the day. He says they're going to find food or people today. It's going to be a good day. And uh, Daryl says, you know, we haven't seen anybody in weeks, so I wouldn't get your hopes up, man. And then as they're driving down the road, Rick puts in a CD, which again, I thought was another sort of comic relief moment. Daryl seems really annoyed by the music
1: going in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that shot of them driving down the down the road in the car accelerating way uh, a lot. And by the time it got to the bottom of the hill, it was going pretty fast. And then the brake lights come on. And then the brake lights come on. That was, that looked really dangerous. Because uh, when you get a car going at a great rate of speed, that car, that road was covered with, uh, like, leaves or grass or something. That's, an, that's not a very tacky surface. Like, that that is, uh, I mean, sure, it was dry, but there's a lot of material on that road. If they were, there was any issues whatsoever, that car would have skidded off the road and gone into the ditch. That could have been very dangerous.
0: Well... I don't know. I did think it was strange that the brake lights came on. I mean, they're driving away, and to me, it felt like the shot went on a little bit longer than they intended, and so they were driving away, and then they had to stop, and they were started to brake, and then they just kept kept going with the shot for some
1: reason. I don't know if it would have been really that dangerous, because were they really going that fast? They were going pretty fast. It was a pretty good clip. Okay. And Ah. I think the stunt driver that was driving down the road uh, at that point realized that they were going way too fast for that those road conditions. Right. Even though it was perfectly straight, huh. it was uh, It just, hopefully he had a helmet and a roll cage and was like buckled in, five-point harness. That, yeah. You know, it, was, well, uh, it looked very dangerous to me. I don't know. I wouldn't have done it. I don't think
0: it sounded that dangerous. I mean, yeah, there's stuff all over the road, but.
1: If it was a clear just, road, it would have been no problem. But just driving uh, it was, straight. There was crap all over the road, just one little, one little twinge, and uh, you're spinning around and flipping over and. Going through fences and mailboxes and into the field.
0: I feel like you think cars spin off the road easier than they do.
1: I've been in many cars that have spun off the road.
0: <laughs> One more story for Jason's story from the 90s. never once have
1: been driving, but I've been a bad influence on the driver at the time. <laughs> okay, good but to yeah, know. Yeah, I've spun off the road a couple of times in the snowbanks, into ditches, into trees, wow. all kinds of stuff.
0: Well, uh, Rick puts in the CD. Daryl's annoyed by it, but Rick has a purpose. He. Blasts the music, turn opens the windows, and he yells it draws them away from home so he's he's basically acting as a moving you know zombie lure. He could have chose better music though you know whatever the music doesn't matter it's it's loud, oh, but it did matters to Daryl, yeah, I guess it matters right? so to if Darryl, the music
1: yeah. doesn't matter,
0: why don't I pick something that Daryl likes? okay, well, maybe they don't have anything ready at hand that Daryl likes. I don't know, I just thought it was a, another little detail that I liked right it's they don't they're not just putting on music to be. To have fun and go on a road trip together, they're putting on music because it draws the zombies away. And if they're driving away, they might as well take some zombies with them. That's true. Makes sense to me. So after the opening credits, we come back and the camera pans up the outside of the wall. Michonne is up there on, uh, on watch on one of the, the, uh, platforms and she sees Spencer walking into the forest with a shovel.
1: So she climbs down and follows him. Hmm. Yep. She's really lousy at staying in her post. Yeah, uh, that bothered well, look, me. Oh, look, something's going on. I'm leaving my post. I'm going to leave this whole town vulnerable because I'm a little bit curious. She puts the gun down. She has
0: a large rifle. She puts it down and climbs down to follow him. Like, that kind of bothered me too, a little bit. Like, what are you yeah. doing? You're on watch. You can't just leave. That's right so So, uh, but that's all we see of that. We go to Enid and uh, she's hanging out in town, sitting on, um, I think it was the same place where Noah and Reg had their little talk about rebuilding. I agree. I think so too. Yep. Maggie comes to ask where she's been and uh, she says everybody's working for weeks to get this place back in shape, but Enid has just been hanging around and she suggests that maybe there's better things for her to do than nothing. And she offers to chat with her when she's ready. So the important thing is weeks. I think it's been weeks since the big zombie massacre last week. Not yep. not months or years or anything like that. Good catch. And, I mean, Judith didn't look that much older, so no. we can probably think six to eight weeks, something like that. Just enough time for Carl to get back on his feet, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, back out with Rick and Daryl, they pass a farm that says sorghum on the roof, so they decide to check it out. <laughs> I wonder if there's sorghum in there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. How are we going to find sorghum? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to have to look for... Barns with giant letters on the ro- painted on the roof.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a hell of a coincidence, that one.
0: Yeah, it sure is. Um, so they approach it. They open a garage carefully and they find a truck in there packed full of supplies. Yeah. From what I could tell, it looked like there was canned food, toothpaste, which is important. And then the single most important thing was a box labeled pasta maker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you remember why that's important? Because they need a pasta maker. Because Shelly, Shelly Niedermeyer, Mrs. Niedermeyer, uh, boy, was it last season or was it this season? I think it was last season. Really wanted a pasta maker.
1: Because it's so hard to make pasta without a pasta maker. Problem is she's dead. So it's pretty hard. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's dead now. But
0: I think it was a little Easter egg for those of us who are paying attention that they put a pasta maker in the back of that truck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the guys inspect it. And they seem pretty happy. And they decide that they're going to take the truck and come back for the car later. And Rick says that we'll take another way back to see what else we can find. Because, you know, they're on a run. Might as well maximize it. That's right. So they come. They're driving. They come to a gas station. And they find a vending machine that has fallen over. So I think Daryl's thinking, well, here's where I can get some pop for Dr. Denise. Mm-hmm. And whatever else. Uh, they can't lift it, so they chain it to the truck and use the truck to pull it over, and sure enough, Daryl finds his soda inside.
1: Yeah, and that's how you get uh, bank machines as well. You Tie to them to a your chain truck and it, drive and away? You put a chain around it, you hook it up to a truck, and then you drive away.
0: I'd say a vending machine is more valuable in this world than a, than a, than a bank machine.
1: Yeah, absolutely, unless you want to drop it on someone like an anvil, because that's all it's pretty much good for. <laughs> ATM anvil. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Um, so the
0: guys are there, Rick and Daryl standing around, kind of admiring their handiwork (laughs) when all of a sudden out of nowhere, it seems somebody runs into Rick, pushes him down against the machine and he kind of bounces off of him. So he's a few feet away, but both Rick and Daryl get their guns out and pointed straight at him. And, uh, he says, hi, but is wearing a rag over his face. And... You know, they start talking. He says he was running from the dead, says there's 10, maybe more, and they'll be here in 11 minutes. (laughs) Very oddly specific. (laughs) Um, After a minute, Rick and Daryl lower their guns and both sides of this conversation say they don't have a camp anywhere. So they don't want to give up any information. And uh, Rick introduces uh, him and Daryl and then asks the guy's name. And he says, my name is Paul Rovia, but my friends used to call me Jesus. Jesus. So here is the character of Jesus from the comic book played by Tom Payne. And I don't know about you, Jason, but I thought he looked fantastic. What do you mean? I think the character, like the, well, what is it, character design? I think he just looked really cool. The way he was dressed, the hair, the beard, the thing over his face. I think they did a really good job of just bringing this character to life from the comic pages.
1: With his uh, full-length leather jacket and obviously fake beard. Well It wasn't obviously fake. Oh, it was I think it's pretty, a real beard. It was pretty bad. Oh, come on. Rick's fake beard earlier on was terrible. This one, I I think it was a real beard, wasn't it? No. No, Come I really on. don't think it was a real beard. It looked No, it, it, there was a close up of his face. It looks so glued on there. It's it's sad, really. Really? God. I between you and me, who's the beard expert here? Well, we've both had beards. <laughs> I've had facial hair since I was
0: 19. You've never yes. shaved. <laughs> <laughs> I've never shaved, see? So we know I know what I'm doing when it comes to beards. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I'll go back and look at the guy's beard. Have I you ever it- had a beard glued to your face? No. Well, neither have I. <laughs> You've had more stuff stuck on your face than I have, that, though. That's so. true. That's very true. Um, okay. Real beard or not, I just think the character looked fantastic. I liked how he looked uh, on the show, sort of as compared to the comic. Right. I think they did a good job. Okay. Um. Anyways, he says, they used to call me Jesus. You can call me whatever you want. And as he's leaving, Rick starts to ask him the three questions. But Daryl tries to stop him. Uh, But Rick gets the question out and Jesus says, sorry, got to run as he's running away Mm because he claims there are zombies coming. Right. Uh, So now Rick, speaking of his beard, he realizes that his beard was trimmed and it was clean. So there must be more to this guy. He couldn't have been like living on his own out in the dirt in the forest for all this time because he'd be dirtier, (laughs) right? Yep. You would think so? Um, but just before they can do anything, they hear some gunshots, which sound like gunshots. They go around to the back of the gas station, but it turns out it was firecrackers and they realize that Jesus has stolen Rick's keys. Oh man. So they run around back to the front and he is driving away with the truck, with the vending machine dragging behind it.
1: Son of a bitch. Yeah. So he really got the better of them here. He did. He, he he faked them out with uh, fake gunshots, stole their keys, and buggered off with all their pasta makers. Their pasta makers and their vending machine trailer. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> so that's kind of a bummer. Um, but for me, I thought this was a really cool introduction to this character, too. He looked good, and it was fun. And to be honest, he kind of made our characters look like idiots. He, he really did. And right? he, he does so more later. He, he does, exactly. He does so more later. Almost too much, I would say, but we'll get into that. Uh we go back to Spencer, or we go over to Spencer. He's in the forest, and a zombie starts approaching him. But uh, since Michonne is following him, she comes from behind and kills it. And she wants to know what he's doing out there, but of course he won't tell her. Just just going for a walk. It's a secret. Yeah, it's a secret. Um and of course Michonne goes with him, despite Spencer not really uh wanting her to. And, you know, she mentions that Deanna, which is of course Spencer's mom, said that she wants her son to know, or wants to know why her son is walking around the woods with a shovel. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or she would anyway, because, you know, she's dead. Um, now, Carla and Enid, they're also walking out
1: in the forest. It's a, This is a buddy episode. Obviously, we've got three groups of two going on here. Yeah, we got buddies walking through the woods doing buddy things. Buddy
0: stuff. Uh, so Carl and Enid are walking along. Enid finds a note on the ground that's in some kind of blue plastic bag or something, but she can't read it, um, because it's gotten wet. I'll,
1: I'll be honest with you, Jason, I didn't really get this whole note thing. Well, it was, thing. it was a balloon. It was a Mylar balloon that was all deflated. Oh. And the note was tied to the balloon. So somebody had tied a note to the balloon, let it go. And then it eventually found its way here. All right. Is it just me? Like, is is that clear on the show? I don't know. I didn't get that at all.
0: I was like, she picks this up and she says something about finding it means they're not alone, as in there's other people or something and they're trying to communicate. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. I don't understand what's going on here. No, but- it's
1: it's a Mylar star balloon. It's a star-shaped Mylar balloon. Okay. I Somebody I, released using the magic helium tanks that everybody seems to have access to in this show. And uh, it floated over here and, you know, eventually popped or lost all its uh, helium and landed on the ground. And then the note got wet, so now they can't read it. But right. At least okay. they know somebody's out there because it's like a message in a bottle kind of thing.
0: Yeah, okay. That that makes a little more sense, but that didn't come across to me, I must admit, watching the episode. I'm, I watched it twice and, you know, both times I'm like, I just don't get it. Like, yes, it's a note. I mean, did someone leave it there? What's this blue thing? So it's a blue. Maybe it's just me. Appreciate the clarification, though. No problem. Uh, so they keep walking uh, after that, Carl and Enid. Uh, now Daryl and Rick are running.
1: <laughs> Jogging. They are running So what happens when you're, uh, your panel van gets stolen, dragging the vending machine that you want to pop out of? Mm-hmm. You, you run after it, because that's the obvious thing to do. It is, especially
0: when he drives away in the direction that they came from. So you'd think they would be on their way back to Alexandria, but when Jesus takes the van, he drives back the way they came from, so going away from Alexandria.
1: Well, that's actually two, killing two birds with one stone. You run after the van. If you catch him, you catch him. If you don't catch him, you eventually get back to your cool car that's got your CD in it. I guess that's a good point. They will get back to their car, otherwise they'd have
0: to walk back. Yeah. Um. But once I realized they were running after the, the van— I'm like, but it's going the wrong way. Wouldn't they just want to get home and like get back to safety? So, I guess not. They were going after him, and uh, we find this out because they come to the vending machine, which has now been left behind. Mm-hmm. Either he stopped and cut it off, or it just let go itself, and it's probably just the chain chain broke. Chain broke, probably. Yeah. Uh, so Daryl smashes it <clears throat> and takes some of the candy along with some cans of Orange Crush. Um. They looked like they'd been all punctured, though, so I'm not sure that would be the most delicious Orange Crush anymore. Well,
1: I assume that they were punctured from the violence of the machine being dragged along and then uh, let go. So they're probably still pretty fizzy. A little just fizzy enough? Yeah. All right. Um, so
0: they grab that stuff, and then they continue running down the road following the trail of Jesus.
1: Well, that's what you do. It is. Apparently,
0: it's what you do. Um, back with Carl and Edith, and they're now sitting in the forest, and he's sitting there reading an Invincible comic. For anyone that doesn't know, that's another uh, Robert Kirkman book, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the first time we've seen uh, Invincible comics on the show. Um, but they hear something, and Carl readies his gun, kind of gets up and crouches. But it turns out that it's Spencer and Michonne passing by in the forest.
1: Yeah, like 40 feet away. If that.
0: (laughs) From what I could tell. Yeah. Um, They don't seem to see Enid and Carl.
1: No, they don't see Enid and Carl, and then Carl says, ah, it's just Michonne, like as loud as he possibly can. Yeah. And they don't notice it. It, uh, This struck me as a little on the ridiculous side. Like, they're in a camp, for crying out loud. There's crap strewn all over the place, Mm -hmm. and they're sitting there talking, and Michonne doesn't hear anything. Yeah. Jesus.
0: Yeah, I, I will get to it at the end of the recap, I think. But I had a number of problems with all the stuff that happens in the forest. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, so they walk by. Enid starts saying that she doesn't want to come out here anymore. So I guess they've been doing this for a while. They come out there and uh, they sit and read comic books together.
1: <laughs> this is their place.
0: Yeah, this is like, their place.
1: Yeah. So this is where they, they come to this particular location to sit and read comics. Uh-huh.
0: That's I know that's what I would want to do if I was Carl.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy comics. I loved them when I was younger and to this yeah. day. <laughs> we got to have priorities. Yeah, you do. I got to wear my hat. I need to change my bandage. I've got to go out here with the only girl in the entire town that's the same age as me and we got to sit in the woods alone and I got to read this damn comic. Shut up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they were actually
0: nearby that hollow tree they hid in, too. One of the trees looked like it was hollowed out. So I think this it this really is their place, right? This is their special place to go. Yeah. Um Yeah, so Enid says she doesn't want to come out there anymore, so Carl's like, whatever, puts the stuff away and walks off.
1: <laughs> whatever, bitch, we're going back. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's man. get the hell
0: out of here. Um but she follows him, so she's still following him, whether they're going back or not.
1: They're probably going back.
0: I don't know. I got the feeling they were not going back. Um, but that's one of my issues. Uh, they continue through the forest, and they see a zombie. And Carl draws his knife and gets the zombie's attention. And now the audience never sees this zombie's face, but, uh, you know, future episode spoiler alert, it's Deanna. Yes. And I knew the instant I saw it for some reason. Like, the clothes and just the fact that they don't show us the zombie's face, it's obvious they're hiding it for some reason. And it kind of tipped me off. You kind of see the back of its head too, which I think looked like her hair. Um, Now Enid wants to kill it, but Carl won't let her. Instead, they knock the zombie down and Carl tells Enid to go home because she doesn't like being out here anymore, apparently. And so she does, she leaves.
1: Well, he should walk her home.
0: Well, a nice boy would do that, but that's right. Carl's not a nice boy.
1: Apparently not.
0: No. Instead, he knocks down zombie Deanna and just oh, stares at her.
1: He's the bad boy. Yeah, he's well. the he's the bad boy that uh, that her mom would not approve of, and that's what she finds so f- fascinating about him and alluring. Yeah. <laughs> fine. You don't want to be here. Go home. Whatever. I
0: didn't ask you to yeah, come out of here.
1: He's the bad boy. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that.
0: You may be onto something. Before we get more of that, though, we go to Rick and Daryl. They're running some more. That's what they do. Uh, they catch up to the truck, which is now stopped because Jesus looks to be changing a tire. So lucky for Rick and Daryl that he blew a tire. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be long gone. Uh, but they sneak
1: up through the woods. They fight him. But he puts up a really good fight. Well, he obviously knows what he's doing, he knows uh, kung fu or jujitsu or kick su or something. I like he that. just beats the shit out of the two of them. He, he basically he owns them for a little while.
0: For for a minute, yeah, but um like he almost gets the better of them, but they eventually just knock him down and point guns at him, which Oh well, yeah, that's that's what you do. It's going to stop most people, yeah. Now Rick threatens to shoot him and they ask for the keys to the truck. And eventually he he gives them after they prove that they have ammo in the guns because they shoot a nearby zombie. Both of Mm -hmm. them shoot the zombie. (laughs) Together. They're buddies. Yep. And, uh, you know, we cut to Rick uh, tying him up with some ropes. And he says, you know, they're not too tight. Once we're long gone, I'm sure you'll be able to get out. You'll be fine. So they hop in the cab of the truck. They start it up and they drive off. And once again, they look pretty happy with themselves.
1: Yeah. Natural fiber ropes. Uh, have give to them.
0: Right. So they'd loosen a little bit as if he squirmed around?
1: Yeah, that's right. You can usually get out of, uh, unless they're tied tied like crazy tight or lots and lots of loops and stuff. But if it just, you know, the way they tied him up, it'd be like, actually, it's not really a big deal. It's like three loops for the wrists, three loops for the ankles, and they didn't even put uh, rope between the two wrists. So yeah, that'd take all of 15, 20 seconds to get out of that shit.
0: Well, um... I think you're not inaccurate in that estimation because after a commercial break, we come back back, and the guys are driving still, but now they're eating some chocolate, so they're celebrating their victory in getting the truck back. Huzzah! They pass by a barn and they decide to check it out. So, what do they do? They just drive off the road right into the field, straight towards the barn, not well, worrying yeah. about
1: getting stuck. You know, I running. Mean, it's, it's a panel van. Obviously, it's a uh, you know six wheel drive half track that can uh, drive through, uh, over trenches and <laughs> yeah. through mud and stuff. This is not an off-road vehicle, <laughs> not <laughs> no. even a little bit,
0: but they just drive along. And because it's bumpier now, they hear some thumping on top of the thing and realize that Jesus is on the roof.
1: Oh, Jesus take the wheel.
0: So he must have gotten out of those ropes pretty damn fast with enough time to, you know, climb up on the roof and come well they didn't actually the
1: tie him down or anything they didn't tie his legs to his feet no, no because your legs are normally attached to your feet normally they didn't tie his hands to his legs or anything like that so he could have easily while tied up stood up hopped over got on the van
0: well there is a shot of the van driving down the road and i kind of expected it to go by and we see him hanging off the back right but we don't um I just don't feel like there would have been enough time for him to get himself loose and climb up on top.
1: But you I know, figured he hopped over and jumped on the back of the van, yeah. hanging on while tied up. And yeah. then while they were driving down the road, he managed to get himself untied and somehow got on the roof. How, how do you get on the roof? Well, I don't know. Yeah, somehow climb up onto the roof, but... I've climbed on roofs of panel vans before, but only from the front. Right, because you can walk up the cab, Right. That's right. Yeah. He, he, it's very difficult to get up from the back without a ladder. Is there anything you haven't done? I don't know.
0: <laughs> so far we haven't found it. But maybe. I've never built a windmill. <laughs> I'm sort of surprised about that. <laughs> you built a trebuchet, but not a windmill. I built a trebuchet. Yeah.
1: But not a windmill.
0: All right. Well, uh, they realize Jesus is on the roof, so Rick slams on the brakes, so he comes tumbling off the front,
1: which is uh, kind of hilarious. It is.
0: They decide to run him down or catch him or something, but Daryl jumps out to chase him and Rick continues driving the truck in the field. And, uh, we go through this sort of weird extended montage of Rick driving around and Daryl chasing him. Uh, but eventually Rick stops and gets out because there's some walkers around. So Rick goes to kill those while Daryl still tries to get Jesus. Right. Um, Jesus eventually tries to get back into the truck, but Daryl's pulling him out. As they're kind of wrestling in the seat there, a walker's approaching Daryl from behind. Jesus pulls a gun and points it at Daryl. And instead of shooting him, he says, duck, which Daryl does. And then Jesus shoots the walker behind him. Okay, he pulls out Daryl's gun
1: and points it at him.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, Which is... I mean, even more impressive because he was able to, you know, get the guy's gun off of him while they're in a struggle, while they're struggling in the front seat of a van.
1: Actually, I think he got the gun before that, because if you, there's one shot of them struggling in the van, it's a shot from behind Daryl with uh, Daryl standing up and the guy in the seat of the van and Daryl's holster is empty. So he had the gun before they got in the van. Damn, he is one crafty dude. He is.
0: Like he knocked Rick down, stole his keys. Somehow st- got out of the ropes and somehow got on the roof of the truck yeah. right after, you know, almost beating up both of them. Yeah. And now he manages to steal Daryl's gun while like running away from him in a field Yeah, and this dodging a truck. He's
1: just playing with them. He's playing with Daryl and uh, and Rick. He is. He's extremely dangerous. Yeah. He probably planted this uh, truck.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> uh, if he didn't. He was somehow watching them. And he knew that they had a truck full of stuff. Yeah, he's been on the roof of the truck the whole time since they found it. (laughs) He's just been there the whole time.
1: But then why would he have to steal his? uh, I don't know.
0: Anyways,
1: (laughs) no, but he's just fucking with them. He just is like they pulled over to. It's like what they pulled over to get a vending machine. I'm taking the truck back.
0: Yeah, it's like these guys aren't (laughs) worth it. They stopped for a some
1: some orange crush and. Old bags of chips. Come on. I thought I was going to have some fun with uh, being on the roof of the van, but uh, these guys are no fun. I'm just taking it back to the zorv- zor- sorghum barn. You know what? That's not a crazy theory, actually, that the truck was a plant,
0: and he was using it to to sort of find new people and see what they would do with it.
1: Yeah. That's not, you know? that's not totally crazy. Because when he left, that's what he did. He went back, right? He was going back, yeah. Once he found out that they didn't have any... Uh, uh, didn't have it in camp, didn't have a camp of any kind. He kind of believed them, I guess. And when he was driving away, he threw their backpack out the window. Right. Yeah.
0: And, and I mean, we all go around thinking, oh, Daryl and Rick, they're such badasses. These guys are massive survivors. They're heroes. There's nothing they can't do. And then they meet this dude who just demolishes them in every way. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, from his, from Jesus's perspective, he's like, "Yeah, these guys are worthless. I don't need to waste my time with these guys." Now, I don't think any of this is really true, but it's an interesting theory. And I don't you know. never know. I'm
1: kind of getting on board with this. Yeah, you never know. That this is, uh, you know, this is his way of finding uh, encampments or finding people and stealing their stuff, or not really necessarily stealing their stuff because he threw the backpack out the side, or,
0: or just evaluating them, right? Evaluating them, maybe. Or, and if he was really on the roof the whole time, maybe he just wanted to ride back to their place. And then when he got there, he'd hop off and say, thanks guys, we need to talk, yeah. <laughs> you know? Could be. But it's interesting. So anyways, he shoots the zombie behind Daryl. Daryl uses that opportunity to punch him in the face and take his gun back. Um, And he pulls him out of the truck, but as they're being, you know, yanked out, as he's being yanked out, they hit the shifter and the truck starts to roll backwards right into a lake. And in the process, Jesus gets knocked in the head by the truck door and is unconscious.
1: That uh, that was a pointy bit of the door that hit him too. Yeah, he was would not cheap. feel too good after that. You know, I've uh, I've been in the van, but I accidentally hit the shifter and it went back. <laughs> Only went back a couple of feet and I hit the brakes. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I was in grade three at the time, so I, it freaked me out a little bit. It was the first time I ever was in a moving vehicle where you were driving uh, technically I, I, there was no adults <laughs> and i was also we were at the cottage one time when i was in around the same time actually uh, a couple of kids from the next cabin over were uh, playing in a truck and they had hit the the shifter and it got into neutral and it started rolling back towards the lake and uh, luckily it hit a tree before it went into the lake they cried and screamed and the father was saying just relax everything's fine it didn't go into the lake Everything's cool. It's like this show is about your life. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, I've never met Jesus. Or encountered a real-life zombie. That's true.
0: Although, who knows, man, with you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Jesus is out on the ground. Rick comes over. And here's something, I, something else about this episode I don't understand, Jason. He points out to Daryl that Jesus helped him. And because they're going to leave him, right? Right. But Rick is like, but he helped you. Maybe we should help him. And I want to know how he knew that, if he was preoccupied stabbing zombies. Did he just happen to look over when, when Jesus shot the zombie and saved saved Daryl's bacon?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a question. Can you know? we assume that a number of weeks have passed since, uh, since the, the beginning of the incident until now? <laughs> like, has Jesus been unconscious in the field for like a week? Uh I'm so they've had a chance to, you know, talk about it and <laughs> pretty sure down by the fire and rehash the whole thing? Pretty sure not. Okay. Then, I think it- no, there's no reason why Rick would know that
0: unless he just happened to look over. I don't know. Um Daryl wants to leave him but instead he decides
1: that he'll put him up a tree. <laughs> right. Interesting. So this is not Three's company, right? So you just go ahead and assume that what one person knows everybody knows.
0: Yeah, okay. In Three's company nobody knows anything. Everybody thinks something else. Which is not it, what's going on here, yeah. And hilarity ensues. Yeah, of course. Well, we cut over back to Spencer and Michonne and they're walking, and Spencer's talking about how Alexandria isn't home anymore because his family is all dead, and he, he says he needs to do something before he can make another life back there, basically. He needs to do something. And then they see Carl pass by, <laughs> so now it's the other perspective. We got Michonne seeing carl and she's like what what's he doing out there but he has a walker behind him and now it's revealed that this walker is deanna and spencer has been coming out here because he knew she was out there and he wants to kill her wants to put her down yeah so michonne michonne holds deanna from behind and spencer puts a knife through her head and uh, michonne seems very upset by the whole thing really But this is what Spencer was wanting to do the whole time. Uh, So I'm just going to inject a quick uh, email from a listener right here. Sure. Uh, I would have put this down in the Holy Crap section, but I'm going to read it right here. This is Paul from England. And Paul says, did you see Deanna strolling around the woods as a mostly intact zombie? This means that the walkers that were bearing down on her in the final moments, in her final moments, must have decided they weren't hungry after all and allowed her to reanimate. Whereafter, she ignored the gunfire and walked right out of the Alexandria Horde far enough to not take any notice of Daryl's fire lake attraction, which killed off every other undead human in the vicinity, to then be reunited with her son, who not only puts her out of her misery, but gives her a perfectly respectable burial. Talk about the luckiest, most touching zombie story ever. (laughs) Um, Now, Paul finishes off by saying that he actually loved this episode. Uh, but I can detect a bit of sarcasm in that, that email there. And I am right on board with him. This really kind of annoyed me about this episode, that they just skip all this time, which I'm fine with. I mean, sometimes there are time jumps, but we have Deanna, who was up in a room, alive, technically, with a crowd of zombies coming down the hall, and she's now just suddenly... Six weeks later, outside, wandering around the forest? Like,
1: it doesn't make any sense, does it? Maybe after she screamed in the room upstairs, she immediately died. That gave her a heart attack, and she died. And because uh, she, you know, turning into a zombie, uh, the time frame is uh, flexible. Yeah. Maybe she turned into a zombie almost immediately. And because of that, the zombies went, well, she's no longer a zombie. Or she's no longer a human. She's a zombie. So we don't eat our own kind, apparently. So we're just going to leave her be. And then she happened to, uh, well, she was the leader of the town. So she knows everything. So maybe she went into the sewers and, uh, and managed to get <laughs> out of the town through the sewers. And because of that, she didn't see the lake of fire and ended up in the woods. Yeah. Sounds a little far-fetched to me. Um, I got what, a better one. It involves
0: a lich, though. Yeah. she Do liches teleport people by any chance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, maybe that's more likely then because I think uh, I think it was ridiculous. And, you know, even if she died instantly, you know, up there in that room, I don't think zombies turn around that quick and decide not to eat someone because, you know, they were right there. They were basically right on top of her.
1: Well, um Rick has, has the rule we don't kill the living, or had the rule at one point. Yeah. Maybe zombies all collectively agree we don't eat the dead. That's fine,
0: but there's just no time for them to, for her to die and not be eaten, like... No, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. It just seemed so dumb. And again, I have actually more problems with this scene than just that, but that was the thing that really got to me at the end, when I realized it was Deanna... Um, you know, when I actually realized it when they didn't show her face, um, but I didn't think it through quite then. But then when I found out what Spencer was doing and he was like tracking his mom zombie out there and, uh, uh, it, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was stupid and ridiculous. Um, uh, but we go to a commercial and when we come back, Michonne and Spencer are burying her and Michonne has carved a big D on a nearby tree. Mm-hmm. And Spencer mentions that Deanna left him a note that said, um, I knew my way. And now I started thinking, is this the note that Enid found? Like, is there a connection between the notes here? Why are they doing this whole note thing? But with your clarification on the Enid note, I don't think this is the same thing.
1: No, I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah. Um, and Michonne says basically that Spencer still has everybody at Alexandria and they are his family now. So now that you've done this, you can get back to living a life, you know, we're all your family. Everything's good. Super. Uh, Back with Rick and Daryl, they're in another car now, and uh, Jesus is unconscious in the back seat with Daryl, and Rick is saying, you know, that Denise needs to look at him, and uh, they talk a little bit about how everybody was right when they got to Alexandria about giving people a chance, but at the time, Rick wasn't listening. That's what he was saying anyways. Right. Um and you know Jesus's body's just kind of flopping around in the back seat against Daryl, which was sort of funny.
1: Well, he's got a head wound. He does. He does. Why? Uh, Why they wouldn't just put him in the trunk? You know, the back of the uh, the SUV or whatever the hell they're driving, so he could lie down. I'll never know. Yeah. Or put him in the front seat with Rick. But that might be bad. I don't know. Buckle him in at least. You know, so he doesn't (laughs) flop around. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of things they could have done. At least buckle him in. You're right. He's got uh, crossed belts on his uh, on his torso to make them look super cool. Why not take one of those belts and friggin' tie them to the headrest?
0: Again, lots of options, but they just flopped them in the seat there with Daryl like Raggedy Ann.
1: They have adult car seats, right? They're called car seats. Oh, yes. They're just (laughs) called seats. (laughs) Seats, yeah. You know, put a seatbelt on them. He'd be fine. I I totally
0: agree. Uh, But back in town, it's nighttime now, and Carl is sitting outside on the porch with Judith. And Michonne comes up and they talk about what happened in the forest, which I thought was a awkward conversation here because they both saw each other, but didn't really see each other. And uh, Michonne says that she saw what Carl did with Deanna. So I think what they're getting at here is Carl realized it was Deanna and Carl led the Deanna zombie to where Spencer and Michonne were so that Spencer could have his moment with her and kill her, basically. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, now Michonne starts to say that this was stupid and he shouldn't be going out there. And, uh, you know, you got to either get away from zombies or kill them. Don't lead them anywhere, I guess. And uh, Carl says that he couldn't kill her because it had to be family, someone who loved her. And he says that he would have done it for Michonne, too. And then they have this nice moment where they hug and kind of squish Judith in in between them while they're hugging. But... Again, like none of this landed very well for me because I didn't feel like the the stuff in the forest was really portrayed very well. And I mean, in one on one hand, Michonne is right that I think you know you you don't mess around with zombies; you either kill them or get away from them. Um, and the just the whole idea of Spencer having to go out there to to be the one to kill his zombie mom just feels so cliché to me before he can move on you know it's it i feel like it's the kind of thing we've seen a million times before it has to be you because well maybe because carl knew that related. he
1: was going out into the woods uh looking for his mom maybe carl realized that and wanted to give that to him so that he could have some peace are we supposed to pick that up from this episode
0: though cuz i don't think that was in there no it, no it was not in there at all yeah but maybe that got left on the editing room floor Right. Well, that's a poor production decision then, because to me, okay, I got Spencer, I get Spencer was going out there to do a thing. I don't think, I think it's kind of silly and I don't think it's all that interesting. Um, and I get that Michonne followed him. Um, and I can even, you know, figure that Carl and Enid are going out there to hang out or whatever, but the, the, how it all came together in the forest didn't work for me. And I don't think it was really outlined in the episode very well so this conversation sort of as the culmination of it didn't work for me either because i wasn't on board with the whole thing anyways right so
1: it was fruit from the poisonous tree i guess so yeah yeah the (laughs) beginning part sucked so the what grew from it sucked too
0: yeah exactly i mean
1: am i am i off base here do you See where I'm coming from? Or, or? I do see where you're coming from. I, I didn't think that the uh, the forest scene was so ham-fisted, but I can I can see it now. Ham-fisted, at least with the Spencer stuff, is is a
0: good description of it, right? You know? So um, Rick and Daryl, they drive back up to the gate. As I said, it's nighttime. The zombie is still there on his spike, hasn't moved. And uh, Daryl says that Rick was right about not looking for people anymore. You know, maybe they shouldn't be doing that. But now Rick disagrees and says he's changed his mind. We do need to look for people. We need to help everyone we can find. Oh, they're all over the map. They're just flip-flopping. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that, though, because experiences change people's opinions, or at least they should. And, you know, Daryl's gone one way and Rick's gone the other way. They just haven't quite been able to see eye to eye um, at all here. Right. So they bring Jesus to the infirmary. Denise and Tara open the door and uh, they take him inside to be looked at. We don't see any of that though. We cut over to Jesus tied up in the construction house where Morgan was holding the wolf for a little while. Yep. And he's still unconscious. So they leave him a cup of water and a note that says, you were hurt. We brought you here. You're safe. Talk soon, Rick. (laughs) It's a very friendly note considering (laughs) what they've been through. Um, And they kind of acknowledge that sort of, as they're leaving, Rick says, it's pretty stupid for us to go out there, isn't it? Daryl goes, yep, do it again tomorrow. Rick says, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was funny. I mean, that was- That was, was a, funny. It was uh, right out of Looney
1: Tunes. Exactly. You know, the uh, the dog <laughs> and that wolf or the coyote or whatever it was? Oh, yeah. Those two guys, hey, Sam. Hey, George. See you tomorrow. When they're punching their clocks. Yeah. punching their time card, yeah. Trying <laughs> to, uh, you know, they got to go on shift and off shift. They have opposing jobs, but they're- You know, it's just a job. It's just a job. Exactly. All right. So Rick, back at home now, he,
0: he flops down on his couch and Michonne, Michonne comes over, tells him to move so she can sit down. And they, they look at Judith on the baby monitor, which is cute. And Rick mentions that they found a guy today when they were out, but neither of them really want to talk about their day. So Rick pulls out a roll of mints, not toothpaste, and gives it to Michonne. And they have a good laugh over this. (laughs) Take that. (laughs) Yeah, it's all I could do. Um, Because everything else is at the bottom of the lake. Yep. Uh, They have a good laugh about it. And they end up holding hands. And they slowly look at each other and move in for the kiss. (laughs) And they start kissing. They kind of awkwardly move down onto the couch i think rick has to pause to take his his boot off or something like that and michonne gets a good laugh out of this and uh they just sort of end up making out on the couch there for a little bit for a while yeah for a while we cut to black and when we come back up from the black they are now it's the next morning i guess they're now naked in bed asleep so they've had quite the evening it seems like Yeah, seems like it. And suddenly we hear a voice say, Rick, they jump up. They're instantly awake because, you know, they've always got one ear open, I guess. They grab their weapons, standing there naked, and it's Jesus. And he says, "Uh, Rick, we should talk. (laughs) (laughs) And that's your episode. (laughs) Yeah. So, Jason, let's talk about this episode a little bit. One of the things I wanted to mention is that... I kind of have done here a little bit what I didn't want to do a little bit is that I feel like this episode was really, really easy to nitpick a lot of problems.
1: Well, what does that tell you? Well,
0: I mean, things like, you know, they get the truck and instead of driving it with all these great supplies, instead of driving straight back home, they stop to investigate a vending machine um you know why did Michonne leave her post on the wall seems stupid how did zombie Deanna get outside the walls we've talked about all this stuff but all these things that little things that kind of just add up to to bug me but I wanted to try not to do that as we were doing this recap but I ended up doing it anyway (laughs) so um but outside of the nitpicks I think this episode had some really good stuff in it but also some bigger problems and I've already kind of gone through them a little bit with Michonne and Spencer. Super cliche. I didn't like really anything that was going on in the forest. I felt it was kind of boring a little bit because like big deal. Spencer's going out to kill his mom. It has to be someone who loved her. You know, I mean, whatever. seems so cliche. And then Carl's involvement in the whole thing was a bit confusing. So I didn't really like that. Um, I didn't, I must admit, and I don't know how you feel, but I must admit, I don't really like the idea of a Rick Michonne relationship. And I was inevitable. You know that, right? I think I'm one of the, I I know there's some people out there that agree with me, but I I think I'm, we're in the minority and that a lot of people want them to get together. But from what I could see in that couch scene, to me, it really felt like they were really good friends, a great deal of respect for each other. Um but just friends. And they were friends who were trying to be romantic and just not pulling it off. Any okay. any comments on that?
1: Uh no, I, I assumed that they were in some kind of long term relationship already. You know, when uh right at the beginning of the episode she was there in a bathrobe and I don't think this is the first time they hooked up. See, I think it is. I think at the beginning is partly why I had
0: problems with it, because it seemed to me like they were establishing them as in a platonic relationship that was strictly friends and, you know, close friends who were, you know, very respectful of each other and 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 all that sort of thing. But that's why he gave her a high five on the way out instead of a hug or a kiss or anything like that. And I just got the feeling they were living together and just comfortable around each other.
1: I I assumed, actually, that they were in some kind of non-Platonic relationship.
0: Huh. Interesting how you can get two totally different things out of the same scene.
1: Well, yeah.
0: So, I don't know. It's—I don't—maybe I'll get used to it, and maybe it'll get more comfortable as things go on, but at, as it stands right now, I don't really buy them as a couple, so—
1: Oh, I totally do. All right, I think it's. I think it's fine. And as soon as uh, as soon as I saw them starting to make out, my first thought, and I may have even explained this, exclaimed this out loud, was finally, finally. Well, you're not finally. You're you're not the only
0: one. I mean, a lot of people have really wanted this to happen for a long time. So uh,
1: well, we got to get Carol and Daryl together too, right? Oh, I think, that's been, sh- that's has been, has <laughs> think that ship has sailed. You think that ship has sailed? I think it's going to be Carol and Morgan. Oh no, I'm not sure that ship was ever built. <laughs> well, it could be. I don't well, know. Opposites attract. That's
0: true. Uh that's true. I don't know. I, we'll see. What I don't know. Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. Uh <laughs> who what singer did that song in the eighties, Opposites Attract? Uh yeah. I don't know. That's I got that in my head. Oh, but.
1: that was uh Paula Abdul Paula Abdul. And, uh, yeah, there was uh, somebody with her singing that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> that was a horrid, horrid video. Right. Where well, he was a cartoon dog and she was Paula Abdul. We had, that's right, we had more than a
0: feeling in this episode, so maybe we'll get that song in a future episode when Carol and Morgan get together. Anyways, I don't know, maybe I'll get used to it, but I was not a big fan of that relationship. I did like that they established the relationship between Denise and Tara. I knew that was, I. we already sort of knew that was a thing, but... They just dropped in the little bits, you know, when they answer the door together at night and she wants the pop for her because she's talking in her sleep. So I like that. That was, that was a little thing I liked. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I didn't hate everything about this episode. I actually thought it was kind of average. It wasn't average. Amazing. It wasn't terrible in any way either. Um, some of the road trip stuff with Rick and Daryl, um, I did like there was some some sort of comedy in there, just a little bit of comedy that I thought worked really well with Eugene, Um, the way he talks about the grain and then says hunky donkey. (laughs) See, that's good (laughs) stuff there. Um, Even the scene in the field uh, where Daryl's chasing Jesus around, it was kind of goofy, but for some reason I didn't mind it. I thought it was entertaining, at least to watch and a little bit funny. So I was okay there. And then, as I said, I really like Jesus. He's a really capable character, obviously. He's way more, you know, uh, capable at stuff than most of our characters. And I think there's a lot of mystery surrounding him that is really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, he, uh, this could be very, very fun.
0: I think so. I I think it's going to be fun to find out what he's all about, where he's from, you know, where he learned all of his skills. (laughs) And, uh, he... He's a ninja. Yeah, he's some sort of ninja. Um... You know, I mean, I know him from the comic and so on, but, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how they take things in the TV show here. Yeah. Um, so as you can tell, I was not a huge fan of this episode, um, but I would also hesitate to call it filler. Uh, I don't like to call any episode filler really, if I can avoid it because every episode should have a purpose of some kind. Um, and this did just a little bit of that, but it had too many problems for me to really, to really enjoy this one.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was the buddy episode. We had groups of buddies hanging out together and doing buddy things, buddy stuff. Yeah.
0: Do you have anything else about it? I mean, are you liking it more than I did? Or
1: no, I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, I didn't like it either. Generally, uh, I thought mostly it was uh, it was kind of boring, and that whole chasing Jesus around in a field with your panel van really annoyed me. Like, why did Daryl get out and chase after him? Why didn't they just run the fucker down? Well, I think... Why didn't they lean out the door and shoot him? Well, yeah, why not just start shooting him? But I think
0: the the idea was Rick, the whole time, had a little inkling that this was a good dude, so shooting him was not what they wanted to do. But then at the same time, like, he stole their van, he kicked their asses, uh, you know, he... he uh, He did a
1: few, I mean, he just stole Daryl's gun, stole the gun. He, he didn't seem like the friendliest guy, but you're right. Did he trash the van on purpose to when getting out of the van that he put it in, uh, put it in neutral knowing that it would go into the lake?
0: Maybe. I don't know. It didn't look like it, but he's the kind of guy that could pull that off. I think so. True. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see, to learn more about Jesus. And even at the end there, when he showed up in the bedroom, right? Like he was tied up unconscious in a locked room um, in theory with Daryl standing outside watching the door, cause Rick at one point says Daryl's, you know, watching him until someone else can watch him. Yeah. So he got out of that, snuck, found Rick's house, walked right in without anybody noticing, including Carl and without waking up the baby and then stood there and, <laughs> you know, watched them sleeping naked, which is kind of creepy, but Hey, what are you going to do? Well, yeah. So he is a, he's an interesting guy. All right, um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, of course, we'll read your holy crap moments. Stay tuned. support The Talking Dead podcast and everything we do around here. A great way to do that is visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead Uh, Last week we mentioned sort of how we've revamped that whole thing and added some new levels of support and uh, it has been really great to see a couple of people go over there and check it out and even pledge. Um, So I highly recommend you go there and do so as well. There's a couple of higher end rewards that we didn't really talk about last week, Jason, one of which is the ability to pledge a certain amount and then choose what we talk about on a bonus episode of this podcast. So if you if you want to hear us, you know, talk about an old zombie movie or, you know, uh, an episode of a TV show that you really love that you don't know if, if what we might think of it. I don't know. Maybe that's not for everybody, but we'll see. You had, you now have the option to do that. So really the idea is just pledge at that level and you get to tell us what to talk about on a bonus episode of our podcast. So I don't know. Sounds kind of fun, I thought. We'll see how it goes. Yeah.
1: I look forward to that kind of thing.
0: Me too. I think it's a great way to get you know, listeners involved a little bit and stuff like that. So head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash the Talking Dead to check those out. We really appreciate everyone's support. If that's not your kind of thing, then um, just use our Amazon links. That's a really super easy way to to help out. Visit uh, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the store or the country of your choice. And then every purchase you make at Amazon that costs you nothing more, And a tiny little cut comes back to us. And again, super easy to do and uh, helps, every little bit helps. So we appreciate all the support from everybody and uh, it makes us very, very happy. Holy crap, Jason, did you see that? I sure did, Chris. All right. Our first correspondence comes from Jenna on the internet. She writes, did you see that confusing editing choice? The episode felt like a season opener or mid-season premiere. Last week felt like a finale. They should have had a massive season finale that blew our minds and ended on the hand squeeze. She's talking about Carl's hand squeeze. Having this be the mid-season premiere would have also made it easier to process the time jump. So what do you think about that, Jason? We didn't really get into last week, um, how the mid-season premiere and, or sorry, the mid-season finale and the mid-season premiere were great, but, um... I, I did sort of feel like it was cut in kind of a weird place. I feel like I kind of want more closure for my, pr- my finale episodes and then start something new on the next phase of the show. You don't like the cliffhanger idea? I, I like it less and less for some reason. I wanted to see more of the premiere in the finale <laughs> and then more <laughs> of this episode in the premiere. Right. And that's just the way I am. And I think Jenna agrees, but... uh that's not what
1: they did. No, it is not. I kind of, they did shake things up. Like, it is kind of shooken up. And the uh, the time jump between the last episode and this episode was a bit disorienting and a little jarring because uh, they kind of robbed us of the, uh, you know, the unknown of whether or not Carl would survive. Like, yeah, the opening of the episode is just like, well, I guess Carl's fine.
0: Well, yeah, it's like he's, <laughs> he's just
1: okay, you know?
0: Yeah. So, um, but. Get uh,
1: shot in the head, no problem. Yeah, exactly. Put an eye
0: patch on it. Everything's fine. Put an eye patch on. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, typically they've done time jumps over breaks, over hiatuses, either between seasons or between the mid season. Yeah. Here they put the time jump after the first episode back in favor of the cliffhanger.
1: That's so, weird.
0: So yeah, it's a little bit weird. I mean, it it kind of worked out okay. I think I didn't dislike it that much. But thinking about it, I I feel like I'd rather have the closure and then start something fresh. But maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. Do maybe.
1: old people not like cliffhangers? Maybe. Old well, people don't like anything. <laughs> well, they then. They don't want kids on their lawn. They don't want anything to change. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's my problem. Yeah. You want, uh, what you want is Gilligan's Island. Just regular, good old Gilligan's Island. Every yeah. episode, they almost get off the island, but uh, at the end, uh, nothing ever changes. <laughs>
0: Well, when this Walking Dead thing is all done and wrapped up, Jason, we'll do a Gilligan's
1: Island podcast. That's a great idea. All right, then. Are you a a Ginger or a Marianne guy?
0: Uh, I think a Marianne guy. Yeah, I've always been
1: Marianne. Yeah? Marianne's so much cuter than Ginger ever was. Yeah, I think so. And Marianne had those hip huggers, and they had to... (laughs) like she had the cut off shirt and the and the hip huggers they had to uh skirt getting by the uh the censors cuz you they weren't allowed to show a woman's belly button on screen for more than half a second. So really what they would do is they'd film her in profile and her belly button you'd watch it the belly button would be on the screen and then hidden then there then hidden then there then hidden every time they showed it it would not be on screen for more than half a second. Sounds like a Gilligan's Island drinking
0: game in the making, there, Jason. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every time you see the belly button, take a shot.
1: <laughs> that show was right on the uh, right on the cutting edge when it came out. Oh, I bet. Like forty <laughs> some odd episodes a season, like they did not stop. Oh, well, there was no stopping. You made that show, and that's all you did forever. There's no seasons. There's no breaks. Yeah, yeah. You just- make Gilligan's Island all the time until you get canceled. They didn't
0: screw around back then. I mean, the twilight zone was like that too. Some of those, uh, seasons had like 30 something episodes a season. It just yeah. went. So, uh, anyways, thank you, Jenna. Next is noop J on the internet. Holy two months, crap time jump. <laughs> okay. <laughs> was I the only one who liked this? The characters need some time to be away from the herd. What is our total time from arrival to Alexandria and her genocide? Like three, four days. I think what he's saying is that he enjoyed the time jump because at this point, you know, the first half of the season had been such a massive compression, right? It was so quick. Yeah. So they need some time to relax and reboot. True. Uh, Angie in Birmingham. Holy crap. That was a change of pace and tone from last week, but it worked. I guess they had an eventful month. Carl's recovery, Rick and Michonne hooking up, but I'm glad we didn't see it. It's not a soap opera. I love this as much as last week. So, he agrees with me. I kind of agree with Angie a little bit here. I mean, the show's not a soap opera, and I feel like having Carl lying in a bed for so long recovering and Rick crying about it, and then, you know, re, uh, re, regaining his resolve to to uh, make Alexandria something good, starting a relationship with Michonne, would that have been compelling TV? I'm not so sure. no. no. But I, I still feel like we needed to see a bit of it.
1: Nah, they got to it. It didn't all fit into the one episode. We know exactly what's going on. What the hell you need? It all spoon-fed to you?
0: Yes, I want everything <laughs> spoon-fed to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they told us what's going on. It's one of the reasons I liked uh, Arrested Development. Every episode of Arrested Development seemed like a recap of their lives. It didn't seem like the whole episode. It just seemed like this is the recap of what's going on. Yeah, that's sort of what and, TV is, though. I mean, there's a lot of time you don't see, right? Well, exactly. So you don't need everything spoon fed for you. It's just entertainment for crying out loud, right? Yeah, they got they hit all the points. Yeah, Rick, Carl's fine. Yeah, Rick and Michonne are in a relationship. Uh, move on. Yeah, let's get to the good stuff. We got Jesus playing around here. That is that is the good stuff. That's for sure. And
0: and I guess when I think about it too, I mean, I don't really miss any of those things because my problems with this episode were not that that stuff was missing. It was that what they did show us was, in my opinion, not all that compelling. So right. um, maybe it just feels like I would have rather have seen that kind of stuff, Carl's recovery and so on. But it could be that that would have been just as lame. I don't know. Could be. Uh, next up, Connie in Connecticut says, holy crap, Rick sure got over Jesse quickly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's been weeks. It's been and weeks. She's
0: dead. <laughs> <laughs> she's not coming back.
1: yeah uh but good point he just that's a good point i forgot well what does that tell you that we forgot all about her too well yeah i mean she i liked jesse a lot and i would have i would have liked to to have seen
0: a relationship there more than michonne at this point but same time yeah i didn't really think about her much once she was zombie food yep (laughs) gemma in south wales Holy crap! I did not see this Rick and Michonne thing coming. I was only saying this weekend that their love seemed to be more about trust and mutual respect rather than romance. I'm not sh- I'm not sure what I think of it as Jesse only just died. I'm not a shipper of Rick and Michonne, so to be honest, I'm a little speechless. Hmm. And Gemma's email here might have been where I sort of got that idea of them being just friends and having a lot of respect for each other and no romance. Um, but I, I totally agree. That's the feeling I got between the two of them. It's never even in my mind sort of been hinted that there was anything of like a spark there for a relationship.
1: Well, maybe it was just, uh, you know, maybe they were just sex buddies for a while, but now it's finally morphing into a, a real relationship. And when it was just sex buddies, they wanted to keep it from Carl, right? Right. So sure they lived together, but that's just for protection. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, we all got to. We got all have to be safe, so we have to live in the same house. Sure, she walks around in a robe and asks you for toothpaste. It's like, do you have the toothpaste? No, you have the toothpaste. No, I'm, I think I left it in your bathroom. <laughs> oh well, come on in and get the toothpaste, uh, Carl. I'll be right down. <laughs>
0: you know, Carl. Right? Ignore the fact that we sleep in the same bed together. It's <laughs> it's strictly for protection.
1: It's strictly for <laughs> protection, son. <laughs> yes. Every, we want to be safe, don't we? <laughs>
0: yes yes we do yeah uh and then carl's next question is well can i sleep in the bed with enid
1: the answer is no <laughs> well i don't know if the answer would be no why would the answer be no i don't know i'm just saying <clears throat> carl's obviously not interested yeah or he's the bad boy
0: pretending to not be interested that's his whole play
1: yeah well he's doing it wrong
0: all right next up sharnisha on the internet holy crap rick is a man ho. First he he, <laughs> first he eats Jesse, I mean the walkers did. Then he hooks up with Michonne, WTF. It just kind of strange to see him sleeping around, but I guess he's got to get something to release some stress some way.
1: Yeah, his wife's dead. <laughs> his girlfriend's dead. Yeah. I guess Michonne is next. Uh-oh, that's a
0: bad Michonne. omen for Michonne now that you put it like that. Yeah. Jeez, that's not good. I don't want to see Michonne die. Um, This next one, the person didn't send their name, so this is anonymous on the internet holy crap did you see that daryl dixon arm flail when he was talking to dr denise had me laughing for a good three minutes best daryl moment of all season (laughs) (laughs) i honestly have no idea what this person is talking about so i gotta go back and check it out i don't know when he was standing there maybe he's waving his arms around doing something funny i didn't pick up on it though
1: i'm gonna go back to the video
0: see if you can get that on the tape there uh, I'll move on to the next one. Eve in Cary, North Carolina writes, holy crap, did you see how long Daryl let the doctor drone on about pop without interrupting? Not only was the look on his face hilarious, but it really went a long way to showing how comfortable Daryl is in Alexandria. True. Is he waving his arms around?
1: I don't see it. He's just kind of looking at at the piece of paper.
0: Huh. Interesting.
1: So far. I mean, I haven't watched the whole scene yet.
0: But- All Well, keep that going. I will keep going. Roy on the internet. Rick and Daryl traded their badass Road Warrior wannabe car for, holy crap, a box truck full of spoilt food. Come on. That food has been sitting in 100 plus temps for how long? What the hell was the thought process? Well, we have this really cool car, but apparently Daryl can only drive motorcycles and launch RPGs. Or maybe they were both manual (laughs) transmission and Daryl's like, oh snap. I knew I should have taken driver's ed instead of bow hunting 101. (laughs) I don't know. I think there was more to that truck than just, you know, spoiled food.
1: No, there was a pasta maker in there. And I assume a jerry can's full of olive oil,
0: olive oil, maybe. And there was toothpaste. He picked up some toothpaste and toothpaste is good. It lasts forever as far as I know. So there was all kinds of good stuff in there, you know?
1: I but, think of uh, I think of the human race like toothpaste. What do you and mean? I got, this, I got this from my uh, from my dad. Uh, he he always used to say that uh, he, humans are like toothpaste: ten percent active ingredient, ninety percent filler. Well, yeah, that's about <laughs> right. Of all the people I know, they're about ninety percent filler. <laughs> okay, the sad thing is, I know I'm filler. <laughs> I am definitely not an active ingredient in the human race. <laughs> That's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't do anything. I don't have to. Uh,
0: All right. Thank you, Roy, for that one. Frank on the Internet writes, holy crap, did they change Jesus's last name? It's not Monroe, like in the comic or Christ, like in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they think some of the fans are idiots and will think he's related to Deanna, which is a good point because Deanna's name, uh, well, or Reg was Reg Monroe. So Deanna, maybe it was Deanna Monroe, and, uh, in the comic, he's Paul Monroe, or Jesus Monroe, but they changed it in the TV show to something else, Rovia. Right. He says, my name is Paul Rovia, which kind of sounds like Monroe. (laughs) (laughs) Monrovia.
1: He uses the same alphabet.
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's got a vowel. (laughs) Exactly. Well, come on. Monrovia. Um... Anyways, interesting uh, pickup there by Frank. I didn't think of that at the time.
1: And I'm pretty sure Christ is a title and not his name. Jesus Christ. That's not his last name? No. Christ is the uh, the title. He's Christ our Lord. Okay. Well, uh, Frank seems to think that's his last name. It's not.
0: <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. so you know. Well, either way. Adam in Texas writes, Holy crap, zombie mom. Nice to see Tova again, and I like the little extra touch of having her son be able to bury her. Is it just me, or did she look like she's been to the zombie mall in clean zombie clothes and maybe even had some zombie conditioner? Seems like she should have been more messed up than she was. I love Zombie Mall. That was a great game. Zombie Mall was a great game, but Adam is absolutely right. But the problem is not how she looks, it's how she got there, in my yeah, mind. Yeah, how did she get there?
1: Yes. And why she, is she not you know, have big chunks eaten out of her. That's the question. She
0: must have shot those zombies coming down the hall, then turned around, dove out the window, but didn't survive the fall, and then reanimated a zombie, but she dove out just outside the wall, so she walked the wrong way.
1: That's it. I assume so.
0: Yeah, I I like it. Uh, A couple more. Chris, a Torontonian living in Philly, writes, Not a huge deal, but holy crap, but did you notice how the walls have been moved to incorporate the church into the community? One of the previous listeners last week asked why they didn't use the real church instead of the garage church. And it looks like now it is indeed part of the community. Um, This scene that Chris is talking about is near the beginning when Daryl and Denise are talking and you can, you get a, a wide shot and you can see the church there. I wasn't convinced that it was inside the wall, but it did look like there was some wall being built nearby.
1: Yeah, they're they're I think it was in process. It uh, they were moving the wall to include the church. So they're expanding the city. Yeah. For some reason, even though there's fewer people, but I guess they need room for uh sorghum fields. That's right. You need room to grow that stuff, right? Yeah.
0: Um and and I mean it does it makes sense to try to expand the town at any chance you you get. I mean more space is usually a good thing, and if you're going to bring in more people, you're eventually going to need more space. So yeah, that's it. And that church is a, it looks like a solid building. I mean, that's the kind of building you want to do something with, I would think. So put it inside the wall.
1: Yeah, make it a church even.
0: Make it a church. Why not? Uh Okay, Michael in London is our last one here. And he writes, My holy crap, did you see that was, holy crap, did you see how this show turned into a pen and Teller magic show? What with Harry Houdini untying himself every 30 seconds? And even Baby Judith was doing the cups and balls trick at the beginning of the episode. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Harry Houdini, also known as Jesus,
1: also known as Jesus, yep. and Penn and Teller, which uh, they're fantastic. I, I've always wanted to go to Vegas and see a Penn and Teller show.
0: Well, check out their show "Fool Us." It's a really entertaining show.
1: I've seen a few episodes. I like it a lot, uh, and I like uh, I like Penn and Teller. I like the fact that Teller is professionally mute. He is. You can, you can hear him speak, though, if you oh, yeah. search hard enough. Yeah, if you get to him outside of the act, he talks no problem. it's yeah. just, as part of Penn and Teller, he does not talk. Yeah, it's part of his uh, it's his thing. That's because Penn Jillette talks so friggin' much.
0: <laughs> they probably did their, like, first show way back when or something and realized that Penn Jillette never shuts up and Teller couldn't get a word in anyways, so it just, <laughs> just became let him talk. part of the shtick, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, I've seen them do some stuff that's just blows me away oh i know they're amazing i love watching they are
0: okay uh that is our podcast covering season six episode 10 if you want to get in touch with us you can do so by sending email to talking at gmail.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on twitter at twitter.com slash talking dead um also go to our website and uh, click send voicemail if you want to record a message into, the, into your computer and send it straight to us. That would be fantastic. Uh, a couple of reminders. If you do want to read the episode title for us, that would be fantastic. I still don't know what it's called, but I'm sure you can find a way to find that on the internet and then uh, record yourself reading it and send it in. We'll play it hopefully on next week's recap. And don't forget that you have, what is it, 22nd, about a week to enter our giveaway for a Walking Dead hoodie and sticker pack in concert with Gold Label. So visit our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on the hoodie giveaway to do that. And of course, the uh, coupon code at goldlabel.com for 15% off right now is Talking Dead Deal. Thanks to everyone at Gold Label for setting that up for us. Um, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the talking dead, or use our Amazon links. You can go to our website to figure out how to do that. Um, and that's going to do it as for our next podcast, our feedback show. It looks like this week, we're going to record that on Thursday, right, Jason?
1: We are Thursday. We're doing a switcheroo here. We've done episodes where I was in Calgary and you were in Toronto, but Thursday's episode will... Be you in Calgary and me in Toronto.
0: That is correct. I will be in Calgary, although the weather on Wednesday does not look amazing, so I hope my flight can take off because I don't want to get there too late. Uh but that's the plan right now, to record on Thursday and get that uh feedback show out. And just a little secret, everyone, there's been some discussions around Talking Dead headquarters here that uh the feedback show might be more suited to a Thursday recording going ahead anyways. Yeah. So, We'll, we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. Normally it's a Wednesday night thing, um, but uh, how would everyone feel about that, moving that to Thursday, therefore releasing Thursday night and everyone would get it on their feed, you know, when they wake up Friday morning? I don't know. Just a thought, but uh, we're throwing it out there. Um, let us know what you think. Um, all right. So thank you, everyone. Until next time. My name is Chris.
1: My name is Jason.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Bye now.